Okay, now for the uh, sermon this afternoon, I'd like to introduce Steve Andrews. Greetings to all who have tuned in to us today, who are observing God's holy day of unleavened bread, day seven. Welcome. I have some personal thoughts before I start into my sermon. It has been a uh, kind of a difficult week for us, my wife and I and our family, uh, especially my wife. She remembered the Antians, and so we have been really uh, uh, praying and uh, probably in, in mourning for, for them, uh, for Mr. Antian, Dr. Antian, as he has uh, lost a wife for 60, uh, 63 years or 60-some 60, 60 years. And I got a chance to read his uh, uh, Facebook page. It was very touching. And he considered his wife a Proverbs 31 woman. And he was uh, very sad, very, very deeply saddened to lose his wife uh, at this time of his life. But he understood that she had a place and was resting in Jesus. And so that was also very encouraging. Also in our own family, we have uh, my son and daughter-in-law have a new baby, and because she's had some problems, she ended up back in the hospital. Had had some, and so Chelsea is back home with the baby and Joe, and I, I'm, I think uh, doing well. And then yesterday, uh, another thing hit, hit us, uh, my daughter Evelyn, and she had some kind of a, um, they call it a, um, twisted bowel syndrome. And so she was essentially taken to the hospital and they did a CAT scan and found out that. And frankly, it was a kind of a, a, a miracle that they found it as early as they did and and were able to take care of it and, and pull that out. and, and, and and she's on demand right now in the hospital. So um, we're praying. We're, we've been up hours waiting for telephone calls, find out what's going on and find out how people are doing. And it's, it's sad in this situation that we're in today and in the, in the society that we live in and the things that are going on that even husbands can't be with their wives. Um, mom and dad can't be with. Uh, their children when they have to go to the hospital or anything like that. It is kind of sad and it's, it's, um, it's difficult to, to live right now in the society we're living in. But I'm hoping that everyone who tunes in will be encouraged to, to turn to God's Word, to turn to His way. And if you've lived unrighteously and lived this life in... in uh, in an unrighteous way, search the scriptures. Find out what God offers. Find out what the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was all about. I think that's very important for all of mankind to do that and to be able to, to, to search it out. Someday in the kingdom, it will be here on the earth. But those who search out today have an opportunity to be a part of the kingdom of God someday. And they, you know, we, a lot of times we're ruled by fear. We, we, wor- we worry a lot about the things that are, are going on in the world. And really what we should be doing is turning to the scriptures and, and truly being encouraged by the words that are written there and encouraged that God is on his throne and Jesus Christ is sitting at his right hand. I'd like to start off this day of unleavened bread, this last day of unleavened bread, the seventh day of unleavened bread, where it started. We, 
my wife and I pulled out our copy of the Ten Commandments. We watched. Uh, it's very long, so you, if you um, do that, you, you have to have some time to watch it. But I, I was impressed by the, the cedar that they, they did uh, in there. The, some of the things in that movie are very much, what do I want to call traumatized. Not quite as biblical, and yet it is, it is a very good movie to get a feel for what God was doing and how he touched them. And, and I think they were very serious in making that Ten Commandments movie. In this chapter of Exodus, the 12th chapter, we go back and we look at these things and we think about what God set up because that's exactly what he's doing. He's setting up this as types for the future. And we're going to be talking about that in the various types. There. But I want to read these things because at every holy day, we are commanded that we are to uh, preach in season and out of season. So we are to teach when it is the season, and we are to teach when it's not the season. And right now, the season is at the end of the days of unleavened bread. At sundown tonight, we can bring in the, 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 the loaves of bread and whatever else that we, we want to eat and the donuts and all of that. But until sundown tonight, we're still in those days of unleavened bread. And it has so much meaning and, and so many things that are there. And I know that I'll not be able to cover anywhere near. So if you, if you have an opportunity to listen to Barnabas' first message that he did on the first day of unleavened bread... Uh, do so, get an opportunity to do that. We, um, my wife wasn't able to, to tune in the first at the first, and so when I got home, we 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 tuned it in, turned it on, and, and watched Barnabas's message, and were very encouraged by it. So let's let's go to Exodus. Let's get into the message here today. Exodus the twelfth chapter, and beginning in verse fourteen, he says, "In this day shall be to you for a memorial." You shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eats leavened bread from that first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in that first day there shall be a holy convocation, a holy assembly, a holy meeting. And in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation. Again, a holy assembly, a holy meeting to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat. And that only may be done for you. And we understand. You know, if uh, This is the middle of the week. This is a Wednesday. And I know a lot of people are out of work at this particular uh, thing, but in, in, in normal times, people would be working. And so, in our congregation, we would take off for this day. This we would be out of, out of work. We would, we would accept this is a holy convocation, a holy assembly, a time to worship God on His day. And so we are doing that today. This is the seventh day of unleavened bread. Um, picking up here in verse 17. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For in this selfsame day you were... Uh, day I have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall you observe this day in your generation by ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at even, you shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eats of that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations shall you eat unleavened bread. So the command was to put the leavening out and to eat unleavened bread for seven days. So we, were, we have been participating in that in this congregation. Even though we're not being able to come together, we, we teach these things. We, we look at uh, um, keeping these, these days. Now, where all of the feast days are located is in Leviticus 23. So we, we go to Leviticus 23 on all the holy days. 
We read those because we want, we want everyone to know that these are not our days. These, are, these belong to the Lord. Even from the beginning, the Lord spoke to Moses in verse 1 saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them concerning the feast of the Lord. And, he, and that word Lord is, is Yahweh. It is extremely important that we understand that this, uh, these are important days uh, that he has set aside. And they have a tremendous meaning. Not just for this congregation, but for the whole world. And we will see how we will tie in some of these things uh, that Jesus is this these were types looking forward to Christ's coming and we continue to keep them because we understand they show us the importance of what God is doing and where he is going and how he is bringing many into his way and many into the truth through his word and so we see these are the Lord's days these are the feasts of the Lord these are holy days these are and he calls them my feasts. I don't own them. This church doesn't own them. We believe that they are the Lord's feasts. So beginning in verse 5, we, we look at the day that we are in. In the 14th day of the first month, that even is the Lord's Passover. And the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. In the first day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. But you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Seven days. Uh, in the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. And so, what we find is today we are, are finishing up. This being the seventh day. And we're finishing up these uh, holy days which are a picture of the plan of God. Now, if you look at the, the various emblems that, that God created, even from the very beginning, even from creation, God created certain things uh, that were going to be established down through the ages. And he also created what were called seasons, or moabs, which, which are festivals. Now, God put that in through through the uh, signs in the heavens, the moon and the stars and everything, especially the moon as, as God has set that there uh, to mark the seasons and especially the holy days. And, and I won't go into that because there's a lot of, uh, about that. But some of, the, some of the things that were types that look forward to Christ are the lamb that was, that was slain, the blood that was put on the side post and also later was used as um, uh, offerings uh, that was um, was used in, in um, the covenants whenever the covenant was made. So the blood was used. There were bitter herbs in that early, uh, that early meal that they had. That they had their staff in their hand and they, they were ready to go. They had to be ready on that that, that day uh, that they were, were going to leave Egypt. The unleavened bread. That was to be eaten with unleavened bread. The lamb was to be totally consumed. And of course, seven is in, in the Bible is a perfect. Is perfect. That's a, something that God has created. Seven. There is seven days in the week. And that seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord. And of course, this one has seven days. First day, is holy day, is the first day of unleavened bread. And the seventh day, today, is the seventh day. There are other times, in the, especially uh, in the Feast of Tabernacles, there are seven days in it. First day is a holy day, and then we have an eighth day on that one. But there are seven days in that. All of these picture and plan are a part of the plan of God. So we have then the seven days, and of course this one also has an eighth day, which is not a holy day, which is the Passover. And I have the seventh thing, which is is the water. And we'll look at we'll look at each one of these. So let's let's go to the New Testament and let's see what Paul says about this day, because there were there was a problem 
in that congregation. And we've read it before, and I want to read it again, because I want to set the, the stage for this in, in thinking about what Paul was bringing to this congregation. Paul was bringing the plan of God to this congregation, and at the same time, he was correcting them for the things that they were doing. It's in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. He says, It was reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication is not such as named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that was, has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now we see in the world today that people have no qualms about anything uh, in this world. It seems like we have really uh, progressed down to the point where we are very much like the Egyptians and the ancient Romans and many of the pagan uh, cultures and the Canaan, early Can- the Canaanites were that way before Israel went in. And then, of course, they were perverted by the Canaanites' idolatry. And all of these sins have been down through the ages. And when we come to, to Christ, we are c- commanded to put those things out. And, and so we're going to talk about the reason for the seven and the perfection that's in seven. And we'll look at that here in a minute. But I want to go ahead and finish this because Paul is setting the, the stage and helping these, this congregation and all congregations down through the ages to understand the importance of, of putting sin out. Not just uh, in a congregation, but on, our, on an individual basis. And he says, uh, you are puffed up. Now, that's exactly what leavening does. It puffs up. And have not rather mourned that he that was, has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already, and as though I were present concerning him that has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together in my spirit with the power of, of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So there was, there was correction, but there was also a, a, an understanding that this man could repent. And that's what Paul was trying to show. But he said to the congregation, your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And so anyone that has ever baked with leavening understands that very principle. You put a little leavening in to your lump of, of, uh, of dough, and you put it away, and every once it just starts to rise and rise, and you get that air rising inside of it. And so I think everyone who has, um, except maybe for the, the littlest and the youngest who have not had uh, any of that, would understand that particular principle. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So he's talking about purging out, therefore, that old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And so we tie in also, with these days of unleavened bread, we understand that Christ is sacrificed as our Passover. And so he is the one that we um, have come to understand is the type that was brought down and brought uh, as the Israelites were brought out of Egypt. All of those are types for us to understand about the sacrifice and who is Christ and what these days are all about. And so we will we'll get a little bit more in depth here as we go through this. So, let's see what we, we have here. Therefore, verse 8, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Now, before the, the days of unleavened bread start, we put the old leaven out. We got rid of it. We, we threw it away. We even had, to, had a full jar of, of, of baking powder. We had to throw it away and not use it because we hadn't been baking. Mary hadn't been baking very much. So we had to throw that whole thing of, of baking powder out and get rid of it. And so that was uh, a sacrifice that we did, but we, we, we understand that's a type. The old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. So it comes down to a spiritual thing. 
It goes, it's, a, it's a physical and spiritual representation. So we see that this malice and wickedness is leaven, but we're, we're to be unleavened. We're to, to be totally unleavened. And so that unleaven is with sincerity and truth. We humble ourselves. The Passover service has the foot washing, so it's a time of, of humbling ourselves. And then we come and we study the Word of God. And so we look into it, and there's truth there. And so as we grow in knowledge and understanding, as we keep yearly these days, we grow in deeper and deeper understanding of what God wants us to do in our life. Now, I mentioned uh, these, these, these types. The seven days, this is very important. The seventh-day Sabbath. And there's a perfection of this this um, of the number seven and the seven days. Galatians, the third chapter. I've got a couple of New Testament scriptures here. Galatians 3 and beginning in verse, uh, just a couple of verses, 26 and 27. He says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. For as many as of you as were, have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Therefore there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for, for you are all one in Christ. And if you, are, if you be Christ, then, you are, uh, then, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I wanted to point out is, there's seven days in the week. There's seven days to the days of unleavened bread. Unleavened was Christ. And we are to put on Jesus Christ. And to become more and more like Him. To become more and more unleavened in our life. That's how we look at it. To put on uh, this the Jesus Christ. And to become totally and completely unleavened. The Bible says, we have all sinned. Come short of the glory of God. We struggle against sin. And, and these days we understand. That's what we're putting out is the sin. We're trying to get rid of it. And we know that we're always struggling against it. And, and so we need some help. We need, we need the help. And we need what we need is Jesus Christ. We need to be tied tightly to Jesus Christ. And, John, and Jesus says this. He, he gives us a way. He says this in John the 15th chapter. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is a husbandman. I think Barbara's read this one also. But I think this really fits in with the, the fact that we need Christ every day, 365 days in the year. And the picture of perfection is the, the seven-day uh, week. Six days you shall work. The seventh is the Sabbath. But we don't give... We need Christ all of that time. So he says, Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. Verse 2. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, uh, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and, I sh and it shall be done to you. Here is, in, here is my Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. And you can go to Galatians, the fifth chapter. I'm not going there. But that talks about the fruits, the love, the joy, the peace, the fruits of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about the, the, the Spirit and the, those things that come uh, on Pentecost. And we're going to look at that in a deeper, uh, more meaningful way uh, um, during the day, uh, that, that one day of Pentecost. And, and the glory that was there when the, when the Spirit was given. And so we, we need Christ. We need to have Him in our life seven days a week, 
365 days in the year, through the good times and through the bad times and all the time, because he sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He is our advocate. He is our high priest. He has many responsibilities. He is there all the time that we can go before him, just as the Father is. And so we, we need him seven days, just as this picture of the, the days of unleavened bread has seven days in it. In John, the first chapter, now we're going to talk about the lamb that was slain. John, the first chapter, we have a few ver- couple of verses here. As we look at Jesus Christ, the lamb of God. As John saw... Jesus coming. Um, he, he either understood it or he was inspired to say it. And we see this in verse 19. Of, um, John, the first chapter. Verse, beginning of verse 29. The next day John sees Jesus coming to him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Well, this was a proclamation. John was to come before Jesus. And he was to, he was to do the baptism, but he was also to proclaim Christ when he came. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come, baptizing with water, and John bore record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode on him and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bore record that this is the Son of God. So he ties in the Lamb that was to be slain, and that he is the Son of God. And he proclaimed that when he saw, especially when he saw the dove that descended on, on Jesus. Now in 1 Peter, Peter says this in his, in, and there's so many interesting things in scriptures that I could cover in each one of these, but I'm just coming through some highlights all the way through this as we look at this, this day. Yeah. And I know there's a First Peter in here somewhere, so I'm just give me a break here a second. We'll get there. First Peter one, and beginning in verse nineteen. I'm going to start in verse eighteen. I'm sorry. He says, and I've read this one before. I read this the last time that I, um, I had a, had a sermon, but this ties in very very well. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with the corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conduct, uh, conversation received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish and without spot. Remember, they were to pick a lamb or a goat, but it, had, it was of the first year, but it, it could, had no spot. It was not to be, have any blemishes. Jesus was without blemish. He was without spot. He was, he was perfect. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Who by him do believe in God, raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Man, those, those are tremendous words. But he was the Lamb. And of course, in about... In Revelation, if you want to look that up also in the 5th chapter, He came before uh, the Father as the Lamb. He came as the Lamb. And also, um, He has the responsibility of uh, the root of Jesse, the, uh, the Lion of the, the tribe of David. Many different names Jesus has. But one of those names the Lamb without spot. And I hope that all of you had a chance to, to watch Behold the Lamb concert. It was very, very good. And I really enjoyed having that on the Sabbath and hearing the words and hearing the things being sung. 
Uh, and if you can get back on the YouTube, you can watch it again if you haven't seen it. It is a very uh, moving and wonderful thing uh, to watch. So have an opportunity, if you, if you can, to watch uh, Behold the Lamb that, that our praise and worship team did. They did a very good job, and uh, it was uh, very wonderful for a, a Sabbath to have that and, and be able to, to listen to that at home, even though I would have rather us had the whole congregation here. It would have been very nice to have the whole congregation, and whenever they would finish a piece, to really praise and, and worship them with, you know, praise them with some, some, uh, some applause and uh, just be very happy during that time. But it, was, it still was wonderful to watch. So let's, let's go to Romans, the third chapter. And like I said, I've been covering some of these over again. But on these holy days, we look back. We go the same. Sometimes we go to the same scriptures because they have a deep meaning based on what days we we talk about. Romans, the third chapter, and beginning in verse 23: For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what this is all about. We we understand that in our lives. We we sin. We make mistakes. We do things. Uh, we, we correct uh, those mistakes. We repent of those things. And we come back to God. And we ask for forgiveness. So we're being justified freely by His grace through the rege- redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. So this is the next thing that I was talking about. The next type is the blood that was used. The blood that was put on the lentils and the side posts so that when that, it says that God actually came down. Uh, in, the, in the movie, this green fog comes down through the, through the streets. Well, God said that he was going to, to take care of all the firstborn of Egypt. And he says those who will be protected are those that have the blood on the, on the lintel and the side post. And, and all of the, the Israelite firstborn were protected. And all of the Egyptian firstborn died that evening when God came through the camp of Egypt. And so His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that He might be just and a justifier of him that believes in Jesus. So the blood of Jesus Christ is so important in our life. And that he was willing to sacrifice his life. You remember, he said that he could even call legions of angels down. But he was fulfilling the scriptures that talked about him coming and being sacrificed. And so he was. And let's go to Ephesians, the first chapter now. Let's read some more verses about the blood of Christ and, his, and how it is so important in our in our, our walk as Christians in this life. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 4. According as He has chosen us to in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined uh, us to be uh, to, the, to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, wherein He has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mysteries of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He has purposed in Himself. I don't know how many more verses I have. I think I actually went a little further than I expected. But in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. When that night came, and you remember how we agonized over it, how we agonized in, the, um, in a play that we saw. It seemed to be in the play they were... Uh, playing a voice that was like uh, demons or Satan uh, chiding him and, and, and worrying him at that time. 
And so um, we understand that Christ uh, was in, in deep agony as he um, was willing to sacrifice his life. for you and I and for all the world and all that would come along. So let's go to the Hebrews of the ninth chapter now. Let's look a little bit deeper into this. And like I said, each one of these could have multiple things. I'm talking about multiple areas of, of scriptures that we could we could dwell on. But I just want to cover these things so that we can have a uh, kind of a broad overview of this day, this last day of unleavened bread, what Christ is doing in our lives, how he is uh, bringing about um, salvation to us and to all the world. And beginning in verse 11, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is, not, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once um, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer, sprinkling of unclean sacrifices to the purifying of flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the, <clears throat> through the eternal spirit, Offered himself without spot to God. Offered himself without spot to God. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And so we see Jesus Christ had a, there was a plan, the plan of redemption. And that redemption was the sacrifice of Christ, his blood being shed. And not only that, but the purpose was that he might sit at the right hand of the Father, that that blood would replace all of those sacrifices. And it would be so wonderful because it would be a purification to those that would come along. And so we see that blood is another uh, type. And it was used. And it was, and it was looking forward to, the, to Christ coming and being our Passover. The unleavened. Unleavened, John 6. I, I wanted to put this in here because this was important. John 6, Jesus saying that He was that bread. 47. John 6, 47. Verily, verily, I say to you, He that, be, that believes on Me has, has a everlasting life. Believing on Christ. You have everlasting life. I am that bread of life. We take in this bread seven days. Perfection. Seven, completion. The week is seven days. We take this in, seven days. It is a type of the, of the life-giving bread that is Jesus Christ. I am that bread. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which came down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And he did. He was beaten terribly. And, he, and not a bone was broken, but his flesh was, was ripped and torn. And he, he suffered terribly for each and every one of us. I am that living bread, he says. I am the living bread. Jesus is the living bread. And... and I, let's go back one more time to 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. And I want to just read that one verse again. We read it over and over again because it's so very important. Uh, verse 8, it says, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleaven. And it says bread, but it, you're unleavened. You're, you're, you don't have that. Um, puffed upness that is, that is the leavening. You are unleavened of sincerity and truth. That was Jesus Christ. And we, as we put Christ on, 
we become unleavened. And that's what we're talking about today. Becoming unleavened in our life. Living an unleavened life. With Christ in us. Put on Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about when Pentecost is coming in. We're going to talk about uh, the armor and different things. And we're going to talk about other things. But right now, we're focusing on this un- being unleavened. And putting away the sins of the world. Putting away those things. And sometimes it's very, very difficult, isn't it? Sometimes it's extremely difficult because the, the world just encroaches on everything we do. Romans, the 13th chapter. Um, the beginning in verse 11. And that knowing the time that now is nigh, is high time to awake out of the sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we would believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly in this day. Not rioting or in drunkenness. Not in the chambering um, and wantonness. Not in strife and envy. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Take in that unleavened bread of Christ every day. Take it in. Put Jesus in our life. Live as Jesus lived to the best of our ability. Brother, I know in, in, this, in this life there are so many temptations. So much going on. The world is in some ways so very wicked. We talk about preserving life and wanting to keep people alive during this COVID-19 Thing. And then we have people clamoring because they, they can't kill uh, uh, babies in, in abortion. It is such a double standard in the, in the world that we live in today. Understanding that uh, the times are evil, uh, the days are evil, and we need, we need to be so close to God and so close to Christ. And we need, and that's what's so bad about not being together. We need to be close to each other. Especially as we see those days coming uh, and the times coming uh, uh, to an end when Christ will return. Let's turn to John, the 19th chapter. Just, I was just thinking about this because of the bitter herbs. There was something that happened uh, to Jesus right at the end. Right at the very end of his life. And I think this probably fits this particular thing. And I'm not sure, um, I'm not putting this as any kind of doctrinal thing, but Jesus was on the stake, and he was dying. And he says, in the beginning in verse 28, beginning in verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, and that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. And there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put, upon it, uh, put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the spirit. And so Jesus, even in that, fulfilled that bitter herb and taking that last bitter herb in his life as he was dying. It's kind of a, a very cruel thing for someone to put something like vinegar and hyssop in your mouth. But that's understanding that that's exactly what this was all about. These were bitter herbs given uh, to those that were being crucified. And it was another uh, point of uh, torture that they did to, these, uh, to those that were being uh, tortured. Okay. Totally consumed. Now, you know the lamb was totally consumed. Uh, not a, the, the sign three days and three nights and Jesus was in the, in the tomb. But he um, also, not a bone was broken, nothing. And so he was essentially totally consumed and went to the grave. And yet, before he began to, uh, to, be, uh, to stink as Lazarus had, he was resurrected. And he was, he was made alive. And, and that's the hope that we have. He was willing to be totally consumed, to go through all of that. 
for each and every one of us. He is our Savior. He is the one. He's, he is the wonderful Christ, the Savior. So, um, the last one is, even though uh, there were other things there, I wanted to include something that is always a part of what Jesus was teaching, which was the water. And let's turn to John. I, I, don't, I think I put these other ones first. But I want to turn to John, the fourth chapter first. And then I'll come back to these other two in a minute. Let's go to John, the, the fourth chapter first. Because Jesus was talking about, and I think Barnabas brought this one out also, but I wanted to just read one verse here, because I think it's so very important. He says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinks of this water, he came to this well and was asking this Samaritan woman, because he was thirsty, he wanted a drink. And he came to her, and and, and she she was kind of... um, a little distressed because she says, who talk, who, what Jew talks to a Samaritan? Well, Jesus knew, uh, even knew this woman and knew her background and knew everything. But he was, at, she, he was asking her for water. And he, then he says, whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of Water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus gives us water to everlasting life. From the time that we accept Jesus Christ, we are baptized into His death. And we're resurrected a new person. And water has a lot to do with the things that Christ teaches in His Word. And the, that is taught in the Bible. It's, it, when, <clears throat> when they were in the wilderness and they began to murmur because they had no water, what did Moses do? God told him to go. He, he, he told Moses specifically, only when I tell you and only where I tell you are you to, to strike the rock. And he struck the rock and water gushed out of that rock and the Israelites received water. And it was a beautiful thing that God was with them. Even though they murmured and they were um, upset all the time, God was so patient, so loving, and so kind, except for the time that they, they built the golden calves and, and were down there uh, sinning. God was going to give it to, to Moses. Says, Your people down there... You need to go back to your people because they were sinning and and they were doing such terrible things. But the seriousness in which Jesus' life was, as he spilled out his life, right at the end, when we go back to John, the 19th chapter, right at the end, after he had died, what also was fulfilled, beginning in verse 32. Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first and the other, which was crucified with him. They did that because if they were still alive and they broke their legs, they were instantly, you know, their, that wind would be cut off and they would, they would die. They, they couldn't uh, move their legs back and forth. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they broke not his legs. And, and so the death of Jesus fulfilled some scriptures that another bone was be, to be broken. But one of the soldiers with the spear pierced his side, and forthwith there was uh, came out uh, blood and water, and so it came right up through his through his bladder and through the uh, through up to his heart, and all of that got gushed out, and so Jesus' life and the rest of his all of his fluid just poured out of him, just poured out. And in, in David has uh, sung a song that was so beautiful about Jesus' life being poured out. His life being poured out for you and I. That he did. At that time, he just his life was poured out for you and I. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, one of the last verses here. Ephesians 5. And beginning in verse, just a couple of verses here. 
27, uh, 25 to through 27, a few verses. It's interesting that we, uh, Paul drew upon the marriage relationship to bring out the sanctity of the relationship of Christ and his church. In, in verse 25, husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the word, uh, the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined to his wife, and they too shall be, uh, shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's how close we are. If you come in to Jesus Christ, if you accept Christ as your personal Savior, He comes in, He becomes a part of you, and you become a part of what is called the, the church. Those that are called out, they are the called out ones of God. And we are, very, um, we are very close to Christ and very close to one another because Christ loves His church. No matter where it's at, no matter who, is, as long as they are worshiping God in, in spirit and in truth because that's what Jesus said to come to the Father you must worship Him in spirit and in truth He says nevertheless let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself that his wife reverence the husband and so that is a picture of what Jesus Christ is doing in the church and it's also a, a beautiful picture of, of what's going on when we, when we worship God on His holy days, we see His plan of salvation. We see it from the beginning. When we, when we look at the Passover, and we see that lamb that was sacrificed, and then we see, and we come into the future, and we see Christ as that lamb that was sacrificed, and all the types that were there. And, and, and He also kept all of those holy days, and He kept the Sabbath, and He did the righteousness of God. Just as we teach today, keeping the days of unleavened bread, keeping the days for the rest of our, uh, this year, putting leavening out to the best of our ability and, and, and living our life as Christ would have us live. Keep unleavened all year with Christ in us.